Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and full plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich Butler, and if this is your first time checking out an episode, first of all, welcome. Second of all, a little bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with content creators, entrepreneurs, and just kick-ass folks on our radar and share the gadgets, the gear, and the tech that they use to create their content, run their business, and overall just be more productive. When it comes to toys, it's not just about action figures, Funko Pops, all of that stuff. Um, Our definition of toys here is very broad because people's interests and the things that make them happy vary. So what we may consider collectibles some people may consider their toys uh whether it's cars salt and pepper shakers wind chimes you'd be surprised what people consider their toys and we embrace that generalized definition here uh quite uh, quite enthusiastically i'll admit so with that out of the way a little bit of housekeeping before we jump into this week's guest uh first and foremost want to thank everybody for the feedback over the last couple of weeks with regards to episodes and what they'd like to see. Uh, we, I, I heard you, and we're going to be doing some some interesting stuff in the future. Also, we will be doing another Q&A episode, and I'll be putting out uh, the stuff for that in the coming weeks to start building for that episode. Also, we will be doing another holiday gift guide. I know many of you really enjoyed last year's and got value from it. So we're going to be trying that again this year. Uh, probably going to release it second week, middle of November, uh, right before Thanksgiving. Hopefully that's the, that's the plan. Fingers crossed. And, um, you know, we just want to spotlight all the gadgets and gear that we've checked out over the last year. It's going to be gadgets and gear and services that we use, that we recommend, and that some of our guests have recommended as well. So be out, be on the lookout for that uh, in the middle of November. Uh, lastly, shameless plug. I got another podcast coming because, you know, why wouldn't I? <laughs> um, you know, I'm trying to do less work and for some reason I just give myself more work. But in any case, um, brand new podcast coming soon. Uh, it's going to be a limited series. It's not going to be any sort of long term endeavor. It's probably going to be a limited series with maybe some specials here and there. Um, if you've been on the Rageworks network site, you've probably seen the artwork, the well, the placeholder artwork for it. And, um, you know, you probably kind of have an idea of what it is. But in any case, be on the lookout for that. We're going to be probably releasing at least five episodes to kick things off. Uh, some of them have already been recorded. You just have to master and mix them and get them nice uh, for you guys. So be on the lookout for that. All right. That wraps up the housekeeping. Let's turn it over to our guest and learn about the toys and tech of their trade. All right. So this week's guest is very unique for a couple of different reasons. Number one, because his talents are 
creating a service and filling a void in a niche that has affected many podcasters and affects many that are doing shows to this day. And that is one of the biggest questions, which is how do I get guests? My guest this week, Brent Basham, is going to talk about that and his new service, Podit, which he is a co-founder of. And we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of the business, how he got started, why that's such an important service to have in this space, and more importantly, how can you use it? So let's get right into it and chop it up with Brent and learn about the toys and tech of his trade. What's going on, Brent? How are you? Hey, thank you for having me, man. This is really cool. I'm I'm super excited to sit down and, and chat with you uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, as I said before, we started recording, you know, the, the potted service is something that should should have been in existence a long time ago, and it just takes somebody to wake up, get annoyed about it, and get a kick in the ass to solve that problem. And, um, you know, I want to get into that. But more importantly, I want to get into just how you got your start in the space. So let's let's unpack that and start there. Yeah, so before all of this happened and we created a SaaS and launched all this crazy stuff that's happening now that you saw and kind of connected us, back in 2014, I was just a regular dude in the tech space, uh, occupationally, not not entrepreneurially. But I had a buddy who I had met in college the second time around. We were both kind of back at school to learn computer science, and we did. And I befriended him. He knew all he could do all kind of stuff. Man, this guy could program. He could do graphic design, all this kind of crazy stuff. And so I thought, I need to know that dude. Um, and I got to know him, and, and turns out he was a really good guy. He's a good friend of mine now. He's actually one of the co-founders of Podit, too. Uh, but before that, we had this, we, we ended up working together after college. We ended up at the same job and had a good chance to talk a lot. And he had a daughter. I had a son and two daughters. And we realized we we're having all these conversations about how technology is influencing the world of parenting, both good and bad, right? There was all kinds of resources available. There was all kinds of challenges coming at you from social media and cyberbullying and all kinds of stuff. And we realized we were the last digital immigrants raising the first digital natives. And there would never be this point in history again. And so we said, you know what, we should probably podcast about it. Or rather, my co-host said that. And I said, what's a podcast? Um, <laughs> I had no idea at the time and uh, was was a noob. And again, a lot of people like yourself had already been doing this for years, um, which is embarrassing because I'm in the tech space. But I was late to the game, uh, but I became an addict really, really quickly. And, and as soon as I listened to a few, um, I was I was hooked. And I said, yeah, that sounds like it'd be an amazing thing to talk about. Uh, so we started. We were terrible. And, uh, yeah, we just kept going from there, eventually even adding our kids in the clips in the show. And it's uh, we pod faded, but it has a very special place in my heart. Now, the the funny thing is I, I, I liked the the ground, the foundation for it, because the thing that gets me and you made up a, you made a very interesting point is the fact that we are in, in all honesty, the last of the Mohicans with this stuff. You know, I was actually talking about that with my wife. Like we got to see, you know, I'm an eighties baby. So I got to see the end of the a track, but the beginning of the cassette, the beginning of CDs, the beginning of VHS, the death of the laser disc, the birth of DVD, the birth of Blu-ray and now streaming. So, you know, when when our kids get older, they won't know what it's like to go and buy a CD single 
at a coconuts or a Sam Goody or an FYE. They're not going to know what tower records is. It's, it's, it's such a crazy, crazy concept. Yeah. And it's changed so much. I mean, technology has always sort of evolved, but what's happened with the digital age is that everything's sort of on demand. Every you're always connected. I think that's the key point of it, right? Is that my kids and your child will never know not always being connected to other people in a multitude of ways and channels. There's always, everything's always available. You don't know something, just search it up. That's the term they use, which you'll learn soon enough. If you don't already Um, just search it up. It's just, it's just always accessible. I grew up when you looked at the latest dictionaries or, or encyclopedias rather, or you go to the library, it was just, it was a point in history where things really change. You know, like I said, there's always been this evolution of technology and different mediums and different things, but we went from not connected to, always connected and it's changed the world in a lot of different ways that we it's happening so quickly we don't really know how to handle it and we're not prepared for it and we're messing it up frankly and you know that's what we wanted to talk about we didn't come at the show from the perspective that we're these parenting experts because we're not we didn't come at the show like we're technology experts even though we're enthusiasts and we have a lot of good knowledge about it but we wanted to just talk about these things and talk to people who are digging into these things and take advantage of the mediums that were available, like podcasting, to really have conversations and maybe figure some of this stuff out because we felt like those conversations weren't happening. And at the time, there really wasn't any parenting show that was in that vein at all. They were all kind of more the old school people with the old school books rehashing some of that stuff. And, and it's valuable, but it wasn't the conversations we wanted to have. You know, and we wanted to talk about Star Wars sometimes. So we did, (laughs) you know, it was our show. So how did that resonate when you started to podcast and you started to kind of get your first uh, your first couple of listens and you started seeing like feedback and things like that? How did that how did that impact you as not only as a parent, but also now as a creator? It was powerful. It was scary at first, as I'm sure you know, or maybe you can remember. My voice was terrible. My authentic voice was terrible. I was a terrible communicator. I was nervous. I was stiff. I was all of that stuff. But once you get past that and you start to get feedback from people that, man, I really listened to your show. I mean, we had guys come on there that would email us and tell us I was in the delivery room listening to your show and I feel more confident of I was scared to death. I mean, just vulnerable. You you wouldn't imagine what these people, and I'm sure you've gotten emails and, and things from listeners. And it's, it's impacting in a way you wouldn't expect. It really is powerful that you can make a difference to somebody by flipping on a mic, by having a conversation with your buddy, maybe a guest, and then you set it out there and you kind of forget about it a little bit. You might promote it or whatever, but you don't really think about the impact it has. And for it to come back to you, oh my gosh, as a dad, it made me feel like other people were going through the same kind of things we were going through, challenges, um, sharing photos of each other's kids, et cetera. It was like, Man, I mean, you know how awesome it is to be a dad and to be able to share that with other dads like you with the tech industry or in the tech industry or in the love tech or enthusiasts and and kind of the, I don't want to call them nerds, but, you know, the guys who really love tech and just people like you. And to find that sort of vein of people in the world and connect with them in an authentic way about something you care about as much as you do your children was priceless. It was really it was really an amazing experience. We did it for three years. Um, we recorded the show. That's, you know, that's tremendous. And, and it's funny. I tell, I tell a lot of my, my colleagues, 
on the network, I tell them, I'm like, listen, your voice may be what gets someone through a commute, gets them through their drive to work, gets them through, um, you know, a rough patch. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe you put a smile on their face. You know, hearing that you brought that level of value to to so many different dads is just it's inspiring, man. I mean, you know, you 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 said you you guys pod faded, but the value that you put out there, you can never take that away. You know, there's a dad out there who you probably made 10 times more confident in being a better father or just being a better tech savvy parent than he was going into this from the start, not to mention the fact that I feel that the fatherhood community is very, very underrepresented in a lot of facets because we have so many different, um, so many different hats we have to wear. I mean, mothers do as well, but fathers, we have to be role models, providers, you know, we have to be the hunters, we have to be the gatherers. And with that comes certain stigmas and certain things that I just feel at times are very underrepresented. And to see that you, you and, and, and your co-hosts were out there bringing that level of value and filling that void is, is inspirational in itself. Yeah, we had a lot of value come back to us, too. I mean, it was very reciprocal. And one of the things we tried to do was be authentic and be vulnerable and just bring a dad show that, you know, a lot of the machismo might not expect and, and make it OK to to love your daughter and, and to not be afraid of those feelings. And, you know, just the things that you don't necessarily get when you're growing up as a, as a young man, um, but but that it's OK to care as a dad. And um, that was part of the show. But certainly touched on a lot of things. And one of the coolest things I think we did on the show was we had what we called the roundtable episodes. And we literally, and this was, you, you know, as a podcast, that was just a little scary. We would just invite people on the show that were listeners and yep. we brought them on <laughs> for better or worse. And I could tell you from experience, it was for better or worse. Some of them were fantastic. Some of them were, it was like pulling teeth, but you know what? They were represented. They were part of it. And what, and even the ones that were, I wouldn't necessarily think had that, engagement or would be a great guest. I think they connected with people that were out there that might not resonate as much with me. So it all had value, you know, because it was a community. And I think that's probably what I'm the most proud of is that. And and it was missed when, when it went away and it was missed by me and by Andrew, my co-host um, and by a lot of people when it went away. So hopefully we'll get a chance to come back around to it at some point. Now I, I want to get into the the pivot now from, from pod fading to now, um, planting your flag in the podcast guest space. Let's let's talk about the origins of Podit and how that came to be. Yeah, so that was really no grand plan. We're going to be this crazy company and do all these things and and maybe it goes there, but that wasn't it at all. It was we podvaded and as you can imagine, we were doing a show about being dads. You know how much effort and time a podcast takes. Yep. We were splicing in clips of our kids. We were getting guests. I took a lot of pride in the guests we got. So there was a lot of time and effort in creating the show. And it just became too much. I felt that I have three kids and they were reaching ages where they needed me in certain ways. You know, they needed my presence in certain ways. They needed me to sit up and watch a movie with them rather than record a podcast episode. There was just things that started to come up. And so that was part of it. But the guest side was a factor because that was one part of the overall piece of what we did that took a lot of time and effort. And so as a result of that, I we that was part of why we popped it. It wasn't exclusively why, but it was definitely part of why. And a couple of years later, we thought, you know, 
this problem in our, our opinion, and there's a couple of flat directories for gas and some things out there, but in our opinion, this was not something that had been solved the right way yet. And we're, we're CS guys. We're, you know, we, we solve problems. It's what we do. We'd love to do to a fault, maybe uh, if you ask my wife, but we just love to, to solve problems. And we didn't think this was solved well. And we thought, you know what? We're the guys we can code this. We know designer, we know developers, like we need to group together and try to build this thing and see what it can be. Um, and that's really where it came from. It was really kind of scratching our own itch. And now I have, it's funny, I'm starting a new podcast now. It's um, not a co-hosted one and we're intending to get back on the digital ad source. And I'm actually using the platform already to reach out to guests. And it actually got me in the door of a pretty big guest because I have a nice podcast page. And even though I don't have the new podcast yet, I have a profile of me and I have my old show and some episodes they can listen to. It's a nice representation of what I did in that space to point them to. And it presents me well and it gives me a good chance. Now, of course, that doesn't do all the work, but at least lets me look good um, to try to get on to get on some shows or get some guests. So uh, it's been pretty effective so far. And we're only four weeks in, five weeks into the beta, something like that. I don't know. It's um, it's been a whirlwind. We're getting all kinds of great feedback and trying to just make something amazing for the podcast community. That's really the goal. Yeah, I think I think that that's that's such a, a, a huge part of it. I think so many people. You know, people want to wake up and they want to be and, and you know, it's cliche. I use this often, but it, I, you know, they want to be the next Joe Rogan. They want to be the next Tim Ferriss. They want to be the next Adam Carolla. And, you know, you got to tell them, like, listen, just be the best you, because yeah. a lot of those guys had an asterisk next to their success. Tim Ferriss was an accomplished author. Joe Rogan was a media personality, an entertainer, a stand up comedian. Uh, Adam Carolla was a was a entertainer. And the more you see that, the more you realize, and that's a big problem with people that get into the space is that they go in, they have this idea and they automatically think that it's lightning in a bottle and it's not, you know, it's a, it's a very arduous, very stressful, very, very unforgiving process. And the fact that your service makes at least part of it simple is a no brainer for any, any podcaster that's trying either to get their message out there to other audiences or just to bring value to their audience with, you know, different guests. I think that that's it, your, your site and, and the potted service just takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Yeah. When we, so we had a couple, we were lucky enough to get a couple of big name guests. And I don't say that to brag. I say that because we probably shouldn't have, we only had, I don't know, maybe 2000 listeners at our peak, which I mean, honestly, if that's people in a room, that's pretty big and I'm proud of that. But in terms of audience size, when you look at these people on, you know, David Allen of getting things done. He's got like 2 million Twitter followers or Greg yep. McEwen. These are New York times, best selling authors. They came on our show, but the problem is we got, I feel like we got lucky and I, I certainly got told no a lot. I reached out to a lot of people, but I didn't have the equivalent of a press page. I didn't have an easy place to kind of point them to position key episodes to showcase maybe a custom video for them. I didn't really have a presence on the web to point a guest to, to try to get them to come on my show. And on the other side, if I wanted to be a guest and to, I didn't realize at the time how valuable that is, but pro tip, getting on other shows it is an amazing way to grow your audience, right? Because they get to know, like, and trust you. And sometimes um, if you can connect with the right audiences, it might make sense to cross promote too. Um, but on both sides of the coin, from the podcast side, from the guest side, it seemed to make a lot of sense to create a place where people could create those profiles, those pages, and I could just go there 
point people there and they could easily connect with me and see kind of what I'm all about without pointing them to like a website of digital dads was really pointed to my listeners. And maybe we didn't even have an episode or an interview episode as our last one. So it was just, it was solving a lot of different pain points. That was the goal. Um, and again, it's evolving rapidly. Um, but it definitely, we knew there was enough of a kernel there that was lacking and caused us pain that we wanted to try to solve that for people. Well, I think, I think that's also one of the other, you, you know, you touched on something directing people to the right place is is difficult because when you're you're getting your podcast off the ground you know some people want to have to create a website some people don't and then when you don't have to to your point that social proof that backup to to try and land a big guest it becomes more and more difficult and then oh you know you could you could check out my facebook or you could check out my twitter and next thing you know you're giving people seven different links mm-hmm. that may or may not even resonate with what you're trying to do like if you do a a podcast about i don't know ham radio and you want to get somebody in that industry and you don't have a website and you tell them well you could check out my facebook page and your facebook page is photos of your kids, kids and and photos yeah. of your dog like that's not helping you it's not mm-hmm. it's not it's not allowing you to engage with that audience. And I think that that's what grabbed me from the service. When I checked it out before I even signed up, I went in there and I said, wait a minute, you know, you got your 30 second pitch. You got all your links. If somebody wants to see your LinkedIn or your Twitter or your Facebook or your, you know, Instagram, probably, I know you guys are probably thinking of adding that, um, you know, that, that social proof, at least there's a nice, uh, cohesive, easy to digest page where everything is. Yeah, that's the goal. And so what we have now, we've just sort of simplified it a lot where each page, so on the podcast page, you can apply. And the idea is when you apply, you send an application to that you can look at from your podcast, you go to your podcast and you see all the applicants coming in. And the nice thing is because they're in network, you can click the link and look at who they are and then click back. So you can look at all these because I remember when we used to get all these requests in email It was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare because they send me some link and I go to a website and I'm trying to figure out where do they have a past episode? Like what's where's their social? It was just very difficult. Right. So I thought, well, if we make this in this way, when you are just sort of back and forth between different profiles pretty quick, I mean, really, after a couple, you get the sense of how it's laid out. You can pop over to social if you want. You can see the social proof. There's actually a testimonial feature where other people can give you a testimonial. You can't give it to yourself, but you get to choose if you want it on your profile or not. Um, So then you get that social proof. And of course, that links over to their profile. So it's really, really intended at the beginning to work without the network. But as the network grows, we're really expecting it to be really powerful for everybody. And you've you've also been putting uh, you know foot to pavement, going to different podcast events, doing that level of promotion, and people going back to what we were talking about before about growing. Even in your case, this is this is a big challenge in itself because just like growing a podcast, you're trying to raise awareness for this platform while answering questions while still being a parent. And yeah. I'm assuming you know you haven't turned pot it into your full time job yet. You're still working oh, yeah. a regular regular gig as well, right? Exhausted is the word you're looking for. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Um, you're right. I mean, but the thing is I've always been driven. My new podcast is called heart first and it's all about business should always be personal. And it's just, you do things that 
or worthwhile for other people. And I feel like this effort will really, I think it'll pay off for us in the long term monetarily. I really do. Um, but I think it will do that because it's going to provide a lot of value for a lot of people. And it was really important for us to make sure that the podcast side and even on the guest side, it was a really good free offering um, because we really know that the value is going to be in growing the network. And we wanted to make sure like on my show, Digital Dads, I had a couple of guests like a pediatrician who emergency pediatrician who came on and told us about summer safety tips because she unfortunately she saw drownings and things like that in her occupation. So but we were able to bring her on the show, bring her value she probably isn't going to go pay to be in some directory that you may not see or some other small directory you may not see. But if there's a single place that can grow to be the place where everybody is, it's hugely valuable. And if we do that, enough people want to pay for some premium offerings or some other value things we're adding, then that's going to pay for the network for everybody else. So it's a big endeavor. You're absolutely right. It's going to take time and effort, but I feel like what we're doing matters. It matters for somebody like me doing digital dads. And I'm equipped. I know the problem intimately. It's just one of those things. How can you not do it when you know there's a chance of it making a difference for so many people? No, I think that's, that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing. And, and I figured, you know, that this is, this is not only a passion project, but it's also a project where you want to pay it forward. Because I think one of the biggest issues with the podcast industry and, you know, some people may agree with this or they may not, is that once you get into a certain groove with a podcast, you kind of feel that that it's that everything is a secret, you know, like, oh, how'd you get this guest? Eh, well, you know, you kind of just explain it in a roundabout sort of way or, hey, you know, how'd you do that? Yeah, well, and the problem with that is that at the end of the day, I tell people, it's like, listen, man, nothing is original anymore. So, right, right. so you could say, oh, you know, I just emailed a hundred times and I finally got lucky and that may be a crock of BS, but at the end of the day, guess what? Somebody's going to look online and figure it out. So you might yeah. as well just lead with the truth from the start. Like I'd rather, if I got a guest and I got it through pot it, I'd say, Hey, listen, I got the guest from pot it, sign up, go set up your show and get a guest because at the end of the day, all you're doing is paying it forward and everyone wins. Right. And I mean, they still have to show up and do a good job. Of Absolutely. going to say yes. Right. I mean, they can apply all day long, but at the end of the day, they're still going to have to have social proof or something. And we want to introduce features down the road, like where you can have warm introductions and things like that. So utilizing that social graph and seeing who's been on whose show, stuff like that will help so that you can get in the door a little easier with certain people. Because they, from the guest point of view, you don't know the podcaster necessarily, but it's really hard when you're new to get out there and get these big name guests. But I would argue when you're new, you probably don't want to get big name guests anyway. Cut your teeth on people who are small like you and get good at it first. Yep. You know, 100%. And that's one of the also the values there is that with pot it, our goal is to be able to help you connect with the right guest. If you're small and a small guest and everybody's kind of timid and intimidated, the software can help bring you together and get you off on the right foot. If you're a bigger name guest and you're a bigger name show, whatever, maybe that's going to help you with the social graph and different algorithms to help batch you up and even ultimately suggest people to you. And that's really where I'm excited as we get going and we start to have that AI kick in a little bit while well, I say AI, but the algorithms kick in that really starts to know you and know what you like and know what kind of guests you knew. Yes, I like them. No, I didn't like that or whatever. And why? And we've got tags and all this stuff. We can start to suggest people to you. 
Well, when I was doing digital dads, if you would send me an email every week with five people, not, and this is a key thing too, because they're email services and I don't want to disparage anybody, but they're email services where it sends me a list of 50 of this and 50 of that. And it's a shotgun and 99% of it is completely unrelevant to me. Yep. And so that does not help me. That's noise, right? What I want is you to tell me and learn and eat, at least be in the same categories that I'm interested in, right? At least. And then if I start to see, hey, this person might want to be, you might want to interview this person and look, those three people, you have mutual connections. So that's interesting, huh? Or this person gives you a warm lead and they cut a little blurb and say, yeah, I'd love an introduction because X, Y, Z. And now you've got that warm lead. So there's some things we can do as we continue to grow to take advantage of the social network part of it um, and the connection part of it that we haven't gotten yet right now. It's, uh, it's really useful right now. We're making connections, but it's just um, there's, it's really just a, a framework for what we're trying to build. No, you know, one thing that I, that really jumped out for me is something that I'm so glad um, once, once it really kicks up and, and like you said, the algorithm really starts to take shape is cold emails because nothing is worse than you get an email from someone and they want to promote a book or whatever. And, and again, I respect their hustle and they're like, Hey, I'm writing this book about juggling cats. And you know what? We'd love to have the author on your podcast. And you're like, I don't do anything with cats, much less right. juggling, much less this. And I think that that's part of the problem. Sometimes your desire to to get your podcast up and running forces you to say yes to everything because you're you're hungry so you're like mm-hmm. all right i'll have this person on even though i do a podcast about movies i'm going to have this chef on and he's going to be on here and he's going to get me more and it's like yeah but no people are going to tune out right yeah and it it doesn't really help you find your audience which is really key you got to be protective of them even probably from the beginning if you want to be successful at it yep because like anything else it's it uh, i tell people all the time you tuned in every sunday to watch game of thrones they you know the the creators of game of thrones expected you to tune in you expected them to give you a good story so the people that download your podcast expect either to be entertained informed or they just want something that they're that makes them feel comfortable. And if you're not checking off any of those boxes, whether it's because you have, you know, guests that don't resonate or you're just not you're not where you need to be as a host yet. You're just doing both sides of the coin a disservice. It's true. It's true. I would almost argue do a podcast that you could expect to have a relatively short life a year or so. And then do a new one, you know, once you, once you cut your teeth, but that's going to happen organically. Anyway, you're going to do a show and then it's going to run its course and you're going to do another show. It's just the way I think it works for most, most people. Some people have crazy long running shows, but yeah, I'm actually glad you mentioned that because I have a, another podcast that I'm starting to build out. That's, that's, uh, you know, here I am running a network and doing less shows. And now I want to start doing more shows. But what I've said is that I'm going to do this podcast as a limited series figure. It's going to be 25 episodes and that'll be that. And maybe I'll come back and do some other stuff, but it would just be 25 episodes, hard stop. And I'm actually going to do it a little differently in the sense that I want to do almost like a vlog, but in podcast form, just stream, actually of, like that idea a lot. Yeah. stream of consciousness stuff, because I think <laughs> that what happens is, and I've learned this over the years, just being a podcaster and uh, countless hours spent watching YouTube, we're very, very curious about stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was talking to a, a buddy of mine and he ends up watching the um, uh, who's that lady uh, like she I, I guess she like removes like pimples like Dr. Pimple Pop, whatever her name is. 
And, and yeah, yeah, I'll admit strange addiction to that. I don't know why. Exa- but exactly. But, but you see, there, you, there's even like a toy where you can like squeeze them. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah, yeah. But you see that rabbit hole. Nobody <laughs> yeah. would have thought about like, those are things like, like I ended up watching like cooking shows on YouTube because I like to cook. And next thing you know, you've watched a hundred hours of cooking shows in a week that you wouldn't even watch in front of your own television. But it's so easy to keep YouTube playing in the background. And that's that's where I feel podcasting is. We want to be the ba- we want to be the soundtrack to your life. You know, we want to be playing in the background while you're taking your kids to school or on your commute to work or whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's an interesting thing with podcasts. The sort of authenticity of them and the intimacy of them. I think it's the only medium where you're really in somebody's earbuds. It's almost like you're there with them in the car or wherever they're at. You know, it's like your friends hanging around. And I think a lot of the conversations happening on podcasts aren't happening quite the same way on other media either. So it's a really interesting um, place to be and place to put your voice out there. Well, I also think it's because sometimes it's just a microphone and headphones like, you know, some shows are doing video now. Like, I mean, I did video uh, years ago when I was doing my podcast and I thought, oh, you know, doing video is going to help me connect with people. And it did to a point. But that's not the audience you're trying to serve. If if you want if you want to be seen, then go on YouTube. You right. know, Like if if you just want your message out there and you don't want to deal with hey, I got to get dressed, I got to brush my hair, I got to put on a clean shirt, then then do a podcast. That's true. It's totally true. And I mean, there's something special about the spoken word. It's it's um, There's a reason why it's starting to catch fire again. Podcasts are all the rage. Even in an age of video, uh, podcasting is really starting to grow. So I wanted to talk a little bit about you know the development of Podit and the fact, you know, I I, I like that you that you put right, ahead, right in front that it's, it's beta, but I got to tell you, man, Beta or not, it damn sure looks nice. <laughs> hey, we have a designer in our back pocket. So. Uh huh. It, it it definitely looks good. But what what stumbling blocks have you experienced along the way in terms of just just getting the platform to where it is? I mean, obviously, getting getting on people's radar is definitely one of them. But what other, what other challenges did you experience? Uh, you know, getting out the door, shipping. Um, it we had five guys. Um we don't come with a bag of extra french fries or nothing uh, but just five dudes that again it was me and andrew who were the co-hosts on digital dads we brought in a couple another guy then we brought in another guy and recently we brought in uh kind of a rock star architect guy um as co-founders and you know just really fleshing out the idea around work to your point the bandwidth consideration um of everybody and their schedules and meeting and um just getting it out the door, being okay with it, not being completely what we want it to be. Cause it's not, um, admittedly right now you can use it. It works. I think it's fantastic to use as a page and you point people to, uh, I'm doing it myself, but it's not the end of even the first idea. Um, but we, to get there, we needed it out the door so we could get people using it and we could get some feedback. That was critical, and I'm really glad we did. We pushed hard to get it out before uh, Joe Pardo's event, MapCon, and he's a good friend and really great guy, and I wanted to do everything I could to get it out the door there. So we did, and we put a flag in the sand and said, this is when we're going to launch, and we just worked tirelessly to get it out. And that meant product, that meant dev, that meant design, that meant iterations, that meant UI, UX, it meant all of that. It meant grinding, it meant Jira, it meant, it meant everything. Um, 
and we got it out the door. And I mean, that alone, even though you don't have this crazy launch, you don't have, we don't have, you know, even hundreds of thousands of dollars or anything like that behind us. We're just literally kind of grassroots and, and bootstrapping and saying, Hey, we think this thing's cool. Come check it out. And we know that's going to take longer, but it's helping us in a certain way too, because it's not flooding it. So it works with our bandwidth in terms of squashing bugs and supporting people. I've literally hand walked a lot of people screen shared with them and help them set up their profile, answer questions they have. And I'm happy to do so for as long as I have the ability to do it. Um, and so that's been kind of nice. So even though part of me would love to accelerate it faster, part of me knows this is a good pace for us right now. And it's likely at some point it's going to start to sort of catch and then it's going to be all hands on deck and trying to catch up and scale and all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of just doing the podcast interviews, doing the social media, trying to make the platform better. Most of my focus, honestly, is not really on marketing right now, even though you see some of that in Facebook group, et cetera. But most of my effort is on product design. What does the feedback look like? What are we missing? How is people, what are people stumbling on? How can this be better? How can this be better? How can this be better? Because we care very much about making a good thing. It's, it's us doing it and my name's on it. It's my thing that I introduced to you to use and we want you to get value. And if you say, well, but da, 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 I say, okay, well, let's see what we can do. How can we solve that problem? How can we solve that problem? And I know that after iterations and iterations, it's going to be really, really good. So there's been challenges there. Um, there's been some challenges, uh, not too much, but as you can imagine, five guys, um, everybody wanting to make a great product won't always agree on what that means. Damn right. Um, it's inevitable, you know, but we've handled that really, really well. And there's a lot of good leadership on the team. Um, a lot of good, really good input on the team. I think everybody wants the right things. And so it's kind of coming together. I really feel very encouraged about the remainder of this year. We're actually, I'll tell you, I don't know when your episode's coming out. We're about, we're about to launch an affiliate program for podcasters. Um, so that if the idea is that if you have that page and you point people and that page is phenomenal for you and pointing guests to, and then they apply, some people will sign up. Some people will sign up for free. Some people will eventually upgrade when they do. You brought them to us. You pointed them to us. We want to make sure podcasters of all people, you get nickel and dime. I remember it's, it's terrible. And we thought, well, what if we could make this model where podcasters point them to us, everybody gets a benefit, the guest gets to be on more shows, and the podcaster maybe can get to where they don't have to pay for their hosting or something or, you know, that little bit. Because that was also part of the pod thing is I was paying, I think, 80 bucks a month or something just to, to put my time. So I put my money, my time, my effort yep. to make a show that I didn't get compensated for, you know, and it's not all about the money, but it would have been nice not to have to at least pay. Right. You know, and, and that's, to get a little bit back. So no. And, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about something that's always an elephant in the room. And especially for a service like this, you know, obviously you're providing a lot of value and I'm telling my listeners and fellow podcasters this, uh, you know, podit.net, P O D D I T.net, you know, make sure to check them out because you're giving a lot of value out of the gate for free 99. you know for zero out of the gate and i wanted to ask about when you wanted to start monetizing and you had and your you guys offer paid tiers um Mm -hmm. on the site how did that you know how did you guys have that conversation because if there's one thing we've learned over the years is 
everybody loves a free app and they'll accept as many shortcomings as possible. But when you tell people to open their wallet, it becomes a completely different conversation. Yeah. And you know, we're figuring that out as we go, we have that there and we'll see if the value makes sense for people. I think on the podcast side, we always want to remain completely free for the podcaster, right? So if you're a podcast and you're trying to get guests, we want you to be able to have your page. We want you to have everything on your page. We want you to invite them. We want them to apply. Everything doesn't cost you a dime because that's that's the, we were podcasters. That's an important part of it. From the guest side, we feel like as it starts to really populate and fill up, there's going to be a need for guests to get more attention. Right? right. The ones that are seeking that really are grinding and understand ROI and understand the value of being on that email, that targeted list more of maybe they can give you an audio uh, version of their pitch. And they say, hey, here's my one minute audio pitch or something like that. And it's like, that might differentiate them. So there's some key ways we're gonna allow them to be differentiated. And and we'll see, I mean, it, right now we think that's probably gonna work and there's probably a percent, enough of a percentage of people that will choose that route that will monetize it for everybody else. Because let's face it, development and all this stuff is costly even for us our time it's oh, yeah. we're we're in tech and our time is really valuable in our experience and our knowledge we could be getting compensated very very well for this um but we're not and we're doing it right now for free but the thing is we feel like that will likely happen but if it doesn't and we get the attention then there's some other things we can do there's other pieces of the puzzle we want to add like we want to add curated content and have that as part of the deal there's there's a lot of different things we could do once we get everybody's attention and provide them value and they trust us. Um, and we just have to be careful not to abuse that, but I think there's some ways that will add value. Um, and it, you can always partner up with podcast events and various, there's all kinds of ways you can monetize, even go on the free route um, with targeted advertising and things like that. Maybe that's the trade off. I don't, I don't know exactly. Um, luckily right now the server cost isn't that much. Um, and the dev cost is, basically our effort, which is effort, but we're not paying developers yet. So right. Sweat equity. (laughs) Yeah. Right now we're doing it ourselves. So we'll see. And I mean, I think that hopefully some, one of of the things we're going to probably do is throttle on the guest side. So for example, we're thinking maybe doing one, you can apply to one show per day and then it'll say, it'll prompt you and say, Hey, by the way, looks like you already applied today. You can certainly apply tomorrow, but because that's a convenience thing, right? Like if you applying to 30 shows a month, isn't enough for you, then you should probably be somebody that's willing to pay. Right. And that's just reality. Um, And so if you are in that camp or it's worth it to you, because a lot of people nowadays are all about buying back their time. They really value spending money on things that give them their time back because they can't get any more of that. And so in that case, it would be like, well, I could just batch this all at once. If I just pay the 19 bucks a month or 39 bucks a month, I mean, my gosh, I'm an attorney and I get one client out of this in the whole year. It pays for all of it plus. So I think that the ROI for some people is going to be huge and they're going to be like, it's how much? No big deal. And hopefully that percentage is enough to pay for the free part for everybody else, which is really, really cool to me um, to be able to find something awesome for a lot of people that might not be in that camp. Um, But we'll see. That's all really written firmly in sand right now to be honest with you rich okay um i i gotta ask uh looking i I was looking through the through the paid tiers just because i've been you know kicking around if i wanted to go go paid just to just to you know mess around with it and i wanted to ask about what you what you're doing 
for people that sign up for the lifetime, which is the uh, the podcast guest academy. Yeah. And um, that jumped out for a couple of reasons. Number one, because you can read a book about being a podcaster and you can get fairly good at it, but you can never fully master the art of being a guest. No nope. messaging and, matters. The tech matters, yep. all that stuff, how you reach out matters, all of that. And Mark uh, deal who we partnered with on that, he covers that with, um, Oh, Dan, I forget his last name, but he, he's a, uh, he does that show books. He reads a bunch of authors and books and stuff. And he's, um, he knows that side of it with the guests and, uh, Mark knows the side of it, um, with the tech. And so they partnered and they've got a huge course. I mean, he charges, I think for lifetime on his, he charges seven ninety seven in its own right. Wow. And so we partnered with him and we, he gave us uh six months access, which if you're serious yep. and you're all about it, what we basically did is we were saying, pay us for two years worth of product. We know it's early. We're going to give you Mark's deal for six months, which gives you plenty of time to go through all his content and you can get really good at it. And it's an enormous investment in you being able to get booked, get booked again, and actually succeed and convert when you do that and actually have a strategic plan rather than just sort of shotgunning and doing the best you can. You know, So Mark's, we don't have that side of it on our platform um, outside of Mark. Right. We just, you know, we don't have the content to teach you how to do it, um, which is a factor yep. for sure. You and I have done it over years. This can teach you in a very, very short time. So it was a really good strategic partnership from us. We basically just eat the cost. He gave us a good deal and then we eat it just to help you be better and give you an incentive to, um, to really invest in the platform early is really what it is. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a huge value prop there as I was reading through it because I said to myself, you know what, if you get good at being a professional guest, you not only does it open doors for podcasting, but it opened doors for you being a resource for media. I mean, I remember I signed up for a website which is called Harrow, which is the acronym for mm-hmm. Help a Reporter Out, which yep. I'm sure you've seen. And it's the same thing. You get pitches and you get stuff. And some some of the stuff that you're seeing, people are like, oh, we need somebody that knows this and this and this. And you may know about it, but here's the kicker. You may not know how to talk about it intelligently in front of a large audience. And that and is can- where a course like this is huge. It's enormous. And you get from podcast interviews, you get access you wouldn't have normally gotten. It can open up doors to speaking engagements. I think people are under the impression they're going to create a podcast. They're getting all this money from sponsorship, but a podcast can open up so many doors and being a guest on other people's podcasts gives you so many key relationships that are so valuable to you. Uh, I was listening to Pat Flynn's show and he had Hal Elrod on there of the miracle morning who that step book blew up, blew up. And he was talking about what struck me about the episode is how was talking about how he went on iTunes. He didn't have a tool to do it. He went on iTunes and he cold uh, emailed every single new and noteworthy in his category to be on their show. And he went on, I think 57 shows in the first year. He got sick, but he went on 57 shows and he said, granted he wrote the book in a way that it changed behavior. And so it would be word of mouth. And that was all, on purpose, which by the way, the book contagious, fantastic for word of mouth. But he, the biggest thing he said attributed to him taking off like that was all those podcast interviews because he was everywhere. It went in, it were small shows and they were new shows, but he was refining his message. He was making relationships. He was getting access and then he was getting access to bigger shows and he could point to media and he was showing up. Another thing, it helps you show up in Google search. 
right? Because when you, people search for you, they see, oh, you're on that podcast episode. Yep. They don't know that it was a small show. It's yep. just credibility is all it is. It's like, oh, you are that expert. Yep. So can't speak enough. However, whether it's potted or otherwise, can't speak enough about about really getting out there and trying to be a guest on podcasts. Well, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Pat Flynn because I and I backed his uh, his switch pod, you know, the other uh, tripod. And one of the reasons I did that was because the guy's an authority in the in the game. So yeah. I knew I'm like, this is a guy that's been podcasting for for a long time. He's been a voice in the field. He's not going to put out a product that's that's garbage. Mm-hmm. He's not. So when I saw it and I saw, you know, all the different influencers start messing with it, I said, man, what the hell? I'm going to back it. And I got mine recently. And I said, that's awesome. I said, this is proof, a proof of concept that, you know, if you're an authority figure, a voice in the field, and this goes back full circle to, to your service, if if you bring value, the results are going to come. Yeah, don't expect it to be overnight unless for right. some reason it's something insane that you do that automatically just puts you on everybody's radar but know that if you're bringing value to people and you're bringing people good information and most importantly you're helping people in some way you'll get there yeah that's key i mean i think it's hard right at the beginning but you got to stop worrying about the outcome and just do the right things and put the right message out there and get on some shows i mean that's such a big deal whether it's through pod whether it's through whatever avenue you want to choose um, that's a great way because there's such a, a big long tail of content creators and everybody's trying to scream and shout. And so you, you know, when they zig, you want to zag and you want to get out there and get into some of these audiences that they already trust the host. Like right now I'm speaking to you, you already trust rich. So you have some, give me the benefit of the doubt at least. Right. And then it's up to me, but at least you get a foot in the door and people know about you. They wouldn't have known about you. And it's just the access it's, there's no other medium that you have such access. You try to get nope. on radio shows, you try to get on TV. You can, but when you're new, it's virtually impossible. So, and you can get on some podcasts. Guarantee you, you can get on some podcasts within a week if you go after it. Absolutely. Uh, one last question, but to to wrap up the, the the our origin story segment, are you are you guys plan are are you and your team planning to take Pod it to a mobile application? Yes, we are talking re-architecting and the whole bit, and that's a big deal. Um, um, Technically, from a technical standpoint, it's a big deal, but we really want to lean into that kind of mobile first, right? Um, even though we're not first, but we want to change direction and go mobile first just from some feedback because there's some really cool things we saw like on LinkedIn where you can be in an event, you can just scan a, a QR code and automatically it'd be fantastic if like you could scan a qr code and then you had a guest already you know connected with you that would be fantastic because that happens at events all the time um so yeah but that won't happen without an app being developed so we need to go down that road well i'm glad you know it's funny we're on the same wavelength because you brought up linkedin and i was going to say you know it'd be cool when you guys do an application and you're at an event because you can you know linkedin has a thing where you can find connections locally within the event so i imagine you open up pod it you're like hey are there any potential guests or or podcast hosts here that i might want to talk to and you just get a ping hey they're here you could message them through the app that would be phenomenal yeah that's what we're going for and the nice thing is even though we're new and there's some drawbacks to that and we're small and there's some drawbacks to that the nice thing is we're new and we're small and so we're also nimble and we're agile and we take that feedback and we try to implement it. And as we continue to grow, 
and get more resources, we're going to continue to take that feedback. So what's really been exciting for me is even though we're kind of steering the ship, we're kind of creating the thing everybody in the group kind of wants. And so we're taking that feedback. And I think that's been one of the big things about like the Facebook group in particular. They love it because they're part of the process. Yep. We're, we're, we're letting, we're pulling back the curtain. We're saying, what do you think about this? Help us do that. And granted, we got to take responsibility for the end result, but you get to be a fly on the wall and actually participate in creating a SaaS, um, which is software as a service, which yep. you don't get too many opportunities to do that. And honestly, we want this to eventually be a network for content creators. And there's some really big things we want to do. So right now it's, it's connecting guests and podcasts, but there's some other key ways we think content creators can elevate each other through connections. So we're excited to see where we can go. Yeah. I'm excited for you guys. I'm glad I came across the platform and I'm more than, more than grateful to be a part of it. So happy to have you, man. Any feedback you have, we love it. Any way we can help you, we'll do it. All right. Now um, we're going to jump into, uh, we have a series of rapid fire questions we call the hot seat, uh, usually relevant to the business uh, content and just, just you as a person in general. So we're going to run through them real easy, stress-free piece of cake. <laughs> I don't feel stress-free right now, Rich, but go for it. All right. Um, so obviously you being uh, a techie like myself, you're connected. What's your uh, mobile device of choice? Uh, iPhone. Are are you in the Apple ecosystem completely? Mostly, yes. Okay. Once they get you, they get you. They do. I, I'm telling you. I mean, I haven't. I tell you, it's. I've got tech friends that are very, especially programmer friends that are very anti Apple. Right. Um. In fact, one of our teammates. But <laughs> there's but always one. I would, I would argue. I would argue, and I don't want to start a start a war with anybody out there. I would argue that Steve Jobs changed the world in his idea of what a computer should be and the user experience of a computer. Now, with that said, are you know, being part of the Apple ecosystem is your uh, laptop or desktop also Apple? Yeah. Nice. All right. So, yeah. so, so based on that, here's, um, you, there's a, a great segue. Uh, what are three mobile apps you can't live without? Due to the nature of what we're doing right now, <laughs> uh, Zendesk, which is a support app. <laughs> um, which doesn't actually come up too much, but but I still, it's a really good way to get feedback from people. Um, email, for sure. And Jira or Discord. Discord's communication with the team. I probably could live without Jira on the mobile device, which is, for anybody who doesn't know, Jira is how you track tickets uh, that you're working on in the application. So Oh, yeah. I would say we, Discord, which is a messaging app. Yeah, we, we use I use Jira in my real job. So, uh yeah, I know, I know it all too well. Um, yep. Is your email client the built-in Apple client, or did you use a third party? I have used both. I default back to Apple because I used to work at a company called AirWatch, which is now VMware, and the notifications work differently on iOS. They give preference to iOS notifications. It's a little bit techy on how it works, but basically the APNS notifications work differently for the Apple client, and Long story short, you see the notifications faster. So, and it's not a bad experience. So, how does your how does your average day play out when you start your day? Since you're a oh, parent, since you're a dad, kids, yep, kids, um, get them to school. I have the pleasure and the privilege, honestly, they're amazing. Uh, my son and my daughters get them off to school, uh, go do the work day. A lot of times, working from home, I have that flexibility. Um, juggle social media a lot. Um, I do have a lot of flexibility with that, thankfully. 
Um, but then there will be pockets where I go silent because I'm doing calls and things. Right. Um, and then after that, as long as I can wrap up and don't have any West Coast stuff going on, I'm on East Coast. So um, that's when we get into dinner. And I usually try to sit with the kids at dinner. And I usually am able to. So um, you'll notice a theme here. Kids, awesome. kids, kids, right? And um, also um, checking the tickets. We usually have lately been having a 6 p.m. call every night for about three, two months prior to the beta launch. Every night check in. Um, on the potted side and then um, weekends we love if whenever there's a MC Marvel movie or something like that with the kids or um, yeah mostly just trying to visit with them and every actually every weekend we've been meeting for potted too lately um, wow. yeah so that's mostly mostly a day and then crash late after maybe I do a podcast episode maybe I don't it just depends on what's going on I commend you you have tremendous uh, work-life balance man that's oh, and well, and we watch a black. I usually watch a blacklist episode of my wife. Nice. So that's what we're on now. Nice. Uh, it's funny because that was actually a question I was going to ask. If it, what, what shows are you watching? So uh, the blacklist. Yeah, where does your wife fit into all this? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I started. Um, I actually have that on the queue and was actually going to start that this week because now that the show's far enough along, I can binge watch a couple of seasons here. Yeah. And there. That's what we really did. Good. Yeah. And I, I like Spader, so it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, he's he's definitely awesome. Uh, what's, uh, one piece of tech besides your phone or computer that you like phone or computer tech? I don't really use iPad or anything like that too much. I do play some video game. I play switch with the kids. Some the Nintendo switch. Nice. Yeah. We'll play that. We'll play Mario Kart. We'll play some smash brothers, stuff like that. Very cool. That, yeah. That. I grew up with the original NES. So switch is a cool, cool thing. It's amazing how Nintendo reinvented itself and it went from being, you know, the the console that was always in third place to the console that now is pretty much either the top console or always the number two for everybody. Starting to be. Yeah, they, they killed it with the Switch. They missed it, the one before that, but they uh, they figured it out. It's an I say to myself it's inevitable that they're they're gonna eventually just kill the DS or roll the DS into the Switch. Yeah, probably. Because there's probably. there's cannibalization going on right there. Yeah, you know what I like, and even though they do have the online uh, version, what I do like about Switch and Nintendo, and I grew up this way with the NES, when we used to play multi-person games, it was all in the same room together. Yep. You know, And I mean, I get that there's a lot of value not doing it that way, and you can connect with people who aren't near you, whatever. But it's pretty awesome to play with my kids, Mario Kart, together in the same room. So uh, a little nostalgic for me, but I love that Nintendo still has a lot of that local player, local multiplayer stuff. Yep, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that's something that's still, you know, uh, they push Fortnite and everything else and playing online, but playing together never gets old with a good group mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. Never. No, nah, my kids are old enough now where they're pretty good at trash talking. So. Oh, man. It's fun. There you go. Uh, what was the last book you read? Mm, super fans. I'm reading big podcasts now. I've got a, I've got a stack of like, no joke on my nightstand, six high, two stacks. There's wow. a lot of them that are unfinished because um, wow. I just get interested. I love marketing type stuff. Uh, Seth Godin, um, Contagious, I mentioned earlier by, I think it's Jonah Berger. That's a fantastic book. Yeah, I avid reader. Love that stuff. Now, now, based on that and the fact that you're acknowledging that you're a, you have a stack of books, you prefer reading tangible versus digital, huh? Yeah, yeah. I went the digital route. I had a Kindle at one point, and I, I do – I split it between that and listening to audiobooks, but I like 
I feel like reading physical, tangible books helps me with my vocabulary, with my intonation. I don't know. I, I'm pronouncing the words in my head. Um, right. It's just a different experience than than the audio books. I love them both, but and I can't read the physical books on the way to and from work. So there's that. Um, but audiobooks always have to compete with podcasts too. So nice. Um, what's the what's an item that you purchased that's less than a hundred bucks that has made your life either easier or more enjoyable? Less than a hundred bucks. Uh, the microphone. This uh, I don't even know. I told you I'm not tech savvy, but it's one of those Samson Q2Us or something. Oh like yeah, that. that's uh, that's the the podcast, the beginner podcast, the recommendation, yeah. the Q2U or the ATR2100 from Audio Technica. It's always either yeah, one or the other. I have had had both, and I really like this. I mean, it's made a world of difference. Never got into. I, now that I'm getting back into podcasting, I may have to graduate to another mic. For right now, though, it's been great. I got to tell you, if if you're if you are in the market to look at one, definitely check out uh the Rode Pod Mic. It's uh it's a hundred bucks, man. It's you know I I we use a lot of Rode stuff in the in the studio here, and um you know I just switched to my entire set of podcasting equipment and bought the Rodecaster Pro. It was hard parting with six hundred bucks. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But I made the money back just selling everything because I had like a mixer, the um, you know, a noise All gate. Right. Uh, I had a I had a, a iPad for a sound pad, you know, to put sound effects. It was by the time it was all said and done, I essentially broke even that selling awesome. all my gear. But it was, it, it, you know, Road Road makes some awesome stuff, and their podcast their podcast mics are nice. The, yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it, so I will be in the market very soon. There you go. You know, we've we've talked about the tech. I want to talk about toys a little bit. Uh, what's the last toy you bought your kids? Hmm. What did I buy them? I, f- I feel like we, we uh, at one point, <laughs> we overindulged on my daughter. Uh, the one that stands out is the iPad Pro. Wow. Um, my daughter well, iPad Pro. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even have <laughs> my wife. None of us. Uh, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. I know it's extravagant, right? And it is. It's not like I just have money to burn. But the thing is, she is big time, big time. Her whole passion, she's 12. Her entire passion is art. She ah. loves 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 drawing and one christmas we got her the um wacom tablet and just didn't really resonate with her as much um she's kind of coming back around to it but she didn't really love it as much and i really want to encourage it so it was in my mind it took a lot of convincing my wife but it was a big investment in her future uh because i really feel like she's gonna she's insanely talented loves it and i really wanted to encourage that um so we that was like one Christmas, one huge purchase. You don't expect this ever again, but you know what? This is you know her only gift, and also for a little while. But nice. she has nonstop drawn on that thing, like unreal. And um, I feel like that's an enormous investment. When you think about what college is going to cost yep. and all these other kinds of things, it's really not that much compared. Um, and, and really given her uh, a lot of ability to stretch and, and grow and be better at what she's doing. So, yeah, that was a huge purchase. Though. Well, you know, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, it's crazy and, and you can definitely relate as a parent. When we were growing up, you know, a two hundred dollar toy or a two hundred dollar video game system was it. Like you get a, an NES, you'd get a Super NES or whatever. And your parents would be like, all right, that's it. Good luck. That yeah. was it. Now. Yeah. Getting, forget the games. You're yep. getting games. Yep. Now it's like. Uh, 200, 200 bucks is like, we look at 200 bucks, like nothing now. Isn't that well, crazy? Yeah, I mean, inflation is part of that, <laughs> part of that, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's different. <laughs> Although 
well, you know, they, they, they've got the system, the Xbox and stuff, but overall it hasn't been like that most of the time. You know, it's just in her case that just stood out in my mind right. because that was a big, big deal. And I mean, talk about like pictures and video of, of an excited little girl. Um, that was amazing. I'm uh, sure for us. For members, yeah. And I think more, more importantly, which a lot of people don't get, but you much like myself being in the tech space, you get is that if you foster that creativity, you nurture it, you know, that could become a side hustle. Maybe she does, you know, she'll draw emojis for her friends or, you know, profile pictures for her friends on social media or, you know, Snapchat filters. Now that people can create their own, you know, you're, there's a wealth of opportunity there. And that's one thing that a lot of people, sometimes they forget with investments like this for their kids, especially if they're really into it. It's like, listen, you might pay for that, but you may just be laying the groundwork for what may be their profession, their side hustle. Hell, they may be, they may be paying your rent. You know, like I saw a, a little boy who played Fortnite. He played in the Fortnite tournament and I believe he won the million dollars or something like wow. that, you know, and he was talking about, he goes, you know, my mom used to shut my system off, tell me not to play it. She used to take it, my controllers away. And here I am playing for a million dollars. And they're like, oh, what are you going to do? And he's like, well, I'm going to pay for her house, you know, like, <laughs> like that's, but, but it's, it's just crazy because we, we look at that now and, you know, you and I can, can speak on that a little bit more just because we're, you know, in the tech space, but for sure, that, but it's that whole digital immigrant, digital native thing, you know, yep. it's a different world. And we, I feel like we've got to try to, now I don't mean everybody just needs to go spend a ton of money on their kids. That's not what I'm saying. Of course. But investing in them in certain ways is huge for yep. their success in the future. And it doesn't just mean college. So nope. you got to think about that stuff because the world is different than it used to be. Yep. I, I told my, I tell my wife, I'm like, uh, there's only two non-negotiables I'd like for my daughter, obviously is to know how to swim and know how to defend herself. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and definitely coding coding would be a nice, a nice <laughs> yeah, uh, ancillary nice thing I'd like to put mm-hmm. in there. But I think that that's, the, that's what's happening now. Too many people to your point, they're not, the you know college college isn't cheap man and you know we, people can hope and pray that they'll make it free one day but it's like listen you know more kids are looking at certifications and side hustles and other entrepreneurial endeavors that are night and day from what you and I have to do you know we have to go and punch a clock you know a kid nowadays yeah, can different. flip sneakers and fund his entire college education by selling and reselling sneakers you know just as an example no, it's true. It's it's crazy. And I think it's hard for people to relate that are from a previous generation. I mean, we you and I have a different point of view because of the nature of what we do. But it's, it's I don't know a lot of people who would be shocked, even though my college textbooks the second time around yep. would cost more than that iPad. It, you know, it's just perspective, I guess. No, 100 percent. That said, it wasn't something we took lightly, but I mean, it's paid off in spades. I mean, she is that's that's all she loves to do is draw on that thing. So there it's been go. fantastic. What's uh? What was your favorite toy or collectible growing up? Ah, uh, you know, I was I grew up in very very early on. I remember a little bit of Star Wars stuff, but really I loved the Thundercats and He Man, nice, uh, and a few Transformers. My buddy had Soundwave, which was I was jealous of that. Um, He's worth an arm yeah. and a leg, new in the box now. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, and and even back then we thought it was cool. Maybe that's why it has lasted legacy so long. But yeah. Really in that '80s vein of cartoons meet toys, you know. Awesome. Um, he Man was a big one. Oh, He Man is awesome. I mean, you know, you know, it's funny. There's a company called Super Seven. They re- they're redoing the the classic He Man figures, and they're selling them for forty five dollars a pop. And Super I'm like, articulated, right? Oh man, and I'm like this. I'm like, 
I'm like, add to cart, add to cart. I'm like, yeah, what are you yeah. doing? Like, my yeah. office is full of, like, I bought a Lionel off a guy on Instagram that I have in my office from, like, That's a awesome. newer line of toys. And I'm like, you know, now that we're older, it's like, ah, oh, we have a paycheck. We could buy all this stuff now. Right, right. Um, no, it's true. Last but not least, of course, um, where would you like to see Potted a year from now? One year. Um, yeah, I'd love us to see, I'd love to say that at that point, if I was a new podcaster and I wanted to get guests that I knew that was the place to go, that there were so many available opportunities in there that that could definitely be, um, be found very easily. Um, and from, I guess that's more from the user side, from the, my sort of co-founder side, I'd love to be able to be doing it full time, um, which would be monetization to a certain point, but largely because I feel like there's so much more, in our mind that we haven't, we just barely scratched the surface so far. So by getting us to the point where we can go full time, just accelerates the development of everything, you know, the product, everything, the development, um, coding, all of that design. Um, and then we can really focus on bringing on the right resources and partnerships and all that. So yeah, that would be, that would be ideal. I love it so much. I would love to be doing it full time. All right. And, uh, last segment, we like to, add some value to, to, to our interviews by doing what we like to call reach one, teach one, uh, one actionable piece of advice. We want to, the guests to give our listeners. So, uh, the question to you is for someone that's looking to launch a SaaS product or is getting their foot in podcasting, what's one piece of actionable advice you'd give them, uh, for a SaaS product yep. for, yeah, for I one was, of each. Yep. Yeah. I would say so for a SaaS product, I would say you know, whatever you think it's going to take, it's going to take more. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a big endeavor. Hell of a way so to put it. Be ready for that. And then, you know, you can have a plan, um, put a team around you and, and, and grind it out, but understand it's going to be, it's going to be a grind. It's going to be, it's hard. It's hard. It's tough work to make something good, um, and get it out, get it out to the world for podcasting. I would say start, uh, because you're going to probably, the more you wait and drag your feet and, listen to your voice and you don't like your voice in this, da, 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 the less likely you are to get going. And the only way you're actually going to get going, much like the SAS, we had to get it out before we could get better at it. Same thing with the podcast. You're going to have to get it out. Now, getting it out doesn't necessarily mean you have to launch it to the world, although I would encourage that, even if it's like a, hate to call it a throwaway podcast, but put something out there, get some feedback on it and practice and get better. And then, you're going to, no matter what you think, six months, a year from now, you're going to be different. Um, you're going to either reinvent the show or you're going to start a new show, but that'll never happen if you don't start. So you got to start. Damn right. That's a, that's a wonderful way to close things out. Um, with that said, where can people find Podit, keep up with you and keep up with the development of the project? So they can find Podit, Podit.net. They can keep up with the project, probably the Facebook group to search for Potted on Facebook. Um, and me, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Brent Bash. Um, and I'm usually all over the place everywhere else. So. There you go. And I will make sure to include links for that in the show notes for this episode. Brent, I really want to thank you for taking the time to share the toys and tech of your trade. Yeah, I love it, man. Love your show. Thanks a lot. That wraps up our episode with Brent Basham, co-founder of Podit. Once again, 
if you are a podcaster or a guest that's looking to get your message out there, definitely check out Podit. It's a great service. It's, you know, free, free 99 to start, jump in, set up your profile for your podcast or for yourself and uh, get yourself some leads or get yourself on some shows. I think it's a it's a nice and easy pain free way to to get your message out there, whether you're a guest or a podcaster that's looking to go on other shows and be a guest. I mean, the the opportunities are definitely there. So take advantage of it because, again, it's a free service. Um, there are paid tiers, as I mentioned during the interview, but just right out of the gate, a lot of value on the free side of things. So sign up and um, get your guests or get yourself on some shows. Um, links for Podit. Brent social and everything else will be in the show notes for this episode, as well as some of the gadgets, the gear and the tech that we discussed will also be in the show notes for this episode. As always, full disclosure, some of those items may contain affiliate links, which if you click, uh, will receive a small commission, which of course goes towards uh, keeping the lights on around here, giving you guys better content, whether it's on our podcasts, on our YouTube channel or on our website. So every click and every purchase through those links, we truly truly appreciate all right toys and tech of the trade can be found on itunes stitcher tune in radio your podcast platform of choice with regards to social you can always follow us at RageWorks or rage underscore works on twitter um links for all of our social will be in the show notes for this episode and if you want to keep up with my nonsense i'm not hard to find um uh, you know my links are in there as well and um more importantly you know primary methods of engagement our Instagram, 99% of the time, it's just open or accessible to me so I can hop on and answer comments or DMs. Uh, secondly, our Facebook group. So definitely feel free to join that if you want to interact with all of our uh, guests as well as our hosts and even our audience just because we talk about everything that we cover on the site, games, gadgets, entertainment, movies, wrestling, MMA. Uh, we definitely cover it all in the group. It's a nice... Uh, nice safe community where everybody can talk about all of their passions in one place last but not least if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of toys and tech of the trade you can email me rich at rageworks.net or fill out the contact form on the site either on rageworks.net or on the podcast network or if you're on Podit, you can uh, solicit uh, solicit us via Podit as well just look for toys and tech of the trade on Podit. And uh, reach out that way if you'd like to be a guest. Thank you guys for letting us beam this week's episode into your headphones and speakers. We will check you guys in two weeks. Peace.
right now. Switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and four plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, I'm Kayla. As a mom working from home, life is crazier than ever, especially on days like these. But I'm still ruling my day thanks to Metro. Metro gave me an awesome phone and tablet. Now my son can get his homework done on the tablet without needing to borrow my laptop. Plus, with Metro, Amazon Prime is included, so I can access great deals and discounts on school essentials and get them delivered in no time with unlimited free shipping, all while keeping an eye on my son to make sure he finishes his online practice tests before he starts watching his favorite Amazon originals. Right now, get a new phone and tablet on us when you switch to Metro, the number one brand in prepaid. Plus, enjoy high-speed data on both devices with one Amazon Prime membership included for just $75 a month. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. I'm Kayla, and that's how I rule my day with Metro. With new lines of service after rebate redemption plus sales tax and activation fee. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members on select rate plans. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 a month cost. Restrictions apply.